Tubals in a China Shop is brought to you by these great companies that are giving us money to let you listen to their stuff. Bullshit, Kyle. We make this show. We make this show. You and me. Tubals in a China Shop is brought to you by us. <laughs> Someone's got to pay the bills, Dan, because it's not our trading. <laughs> <laughs> All right, roll them. You are listening to an entertainment program put together by a company called Financial Ineptitude. Anything said on this show is not an endorsement or professional advice. Would you really want to tell a court of law you were suing us because you thought taking financial advice from two idiots on a podcast put out by Financial Ineptitude was a good idea? Really? Clown hats on your face. Well, hello and welcome, everyone. Welcome back to the China Shop. We are so delighted you made it today. We got another exciting, exciting edition of Back to the Futures. Get on inside. Special store hours. I'm Shopkeeper Dan. With me is Kyle, creator of FinancialNeptitude.com. Kyle, on a scale of one to about to go into space, how excited are you today? I am full staff right now. Full staff. (laughs) (laughs) All right. <laughs> Got your own towel rack going. You're so excited. Yes. <laughs> oh, Kyle's, uh, Kyle's clearly Marty McFly. I'm the bald high school principal, and we are joined with us today by Job. Job, are you more of a Biff or a George McFly? I like to think of myself more of a George, you know, not as cumbersome as a Biff. Wait, which George? George at the start of the uh, the show or George at the end of the movie? Well, maybe even a blend with like George of the Jungle. Oh. <laughs> oh, fantastic, fantastic. All right. Everybody ready to get back to the futures? That's right. Yes. Fantastic. All right. Uh, I believe, though, we should start out and, and ask Job, uh, any, any big news coming out of Orderflow Labs? Uh, yes. So uh, Orderflow Labs has just uh, gone through our first year. Uh, this month, in fact. Oh, it's only been a year? It's only been a year. How about that? But it's, it's been a very exciting year. The expansion that we've uh, had in, in tool development um, is pretty impressive. You know, we started out with a handful of tools, and now we've grown that three or fourfold. And they're, and they're extremely um, efficient with automation and utilization for intraday application. Mm-hmm. So we are doing an anniversary sale here. Um, it's it's active right now. How long is that sale going to last? Well, I think it's a marketing trick. You got to use scarcity to get it to jump. So this sale's only going to last yeah. for one more hour. <laughs> but we got to make sure we get this episode out before the sale ends. <laughs> I'll get that date on here because um, I know we're getting to the end of July. Yeah. But let's dive into today. Did you want to speak to the uh, the new partnership you guys had too? Oh, yeah. So we partnered recently with Trade Day, which is a uh, prop firm for trading. And that was uh, on the quarterbacking of, of Leo. Uh, you guys know him as Leo the Tiger on Twitter. Yep. But we had a nice webinar with them the other day to kind of get uh, get a little background on their, on their um, development for where they came from. So these guys, uh, they have an extremely um, long set of credentials uh, trading from the early 90s up and through now. And they've gone through different... Uh, uh, different investment um, means as far as work and trading and and funding for different um, individuals and firms. Now, they do have some unique aspects to that prop um, system in that they don't have your your predatory trailing trailing, uh, profit loss. So everything is an an end of day account balance that comes into play there. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and so they start you off with a reasonable amount of risk in order to grow. And as you expand, then that then your ability to access larger positioning is based upon your performance. And so, like I said, <laughs> not they're not pulling up stops like uh, I think uh, was it Top Step and um, Apex and can we call them out? I'm sorry. Can we call them out? Um, Apex, <laughs> Apex sucks. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, but basically, they're they're looking to put people on their desk. Whenever you finish an evaluation, you're not just trading another simulated account. You're trading live funds. And they're also there working with you to improve your um, efficacy intraday. Mm-hmm. And, um, and so they take the time to actually do that. Uh, whereas, whereas, you know, and it's not just a handful of generic videos that say, hey, you know, we've got this moving average and above it means this. Right. Um, you know, these, guys, these are guys with experience. And they're not interested in, in the Joe Blow that's coming out just to wing some lottos. Right. They, they're looking to develop traders and and have them on a desk in their fund and that's what that's what i really like about them and uh and so that's it's an exciting um addition here to ofl so what ofl is doing why why are we partnering with them well you can be an affiliate for any of these um prop firms and you and as an affiliate you can go ahead and you get kicked back for whatever the discount it is that they give to somebody but mm-hmm. um we're not interested in that. And so after discussing with them, what's happening is any type of kickback affiliate side is actually going to go to the individual oh. as a price off of their membership. And so that's a special um, that's a special thing that's happening through OFL for OFL members. And they will have that um, they will have that discount from that kickback for life. Oh, that's awesome. It sounds like what we did with uh, TradePro. We, the money from the kickbacks wasn't as appealing as trying to get people access to stuff for a, a better price. I, I'm definitely going to check them out too because I like the idea of an actual prop firm that wants to, that has like a vested interest in trying to make you a better trader as opposed to just, you know, like the other ones yeah. have been. I'm not going to, I'm not going to badmouth too many more of them. I think I've done a good enough job of that <laughs> over the past week. <laughs> no, it's, it's an exciting, uh, thing and and i know that there's a lot of individuals who are looking to grow their their understanding and their trading abilities and having that access to um be on an account that's that's going to benefit them um as far as financially but also benefit them as far as mm-hmm. growth and in, in uh in their experience you know it's it's a good it's a good working relationship there uh, that's really exciting can't wait to check that out uh, make sure we put links to that yes. in the episode description for anybody else who wants to take a look but Sounds like uh, sounds like now it's time yeah. to start talking about some volume profile. Nice segue, Kyle. So, nice. so today, Woo. yeah. So today, uh, thanks for having <laughs> me. All I, we wanted to talk about assessing inventory with volume. All right, and and you've had some uh, a few episodes mm-hmm. leading into this that have been excellent um, discussing the auction itself. And volume is more of a is more of an aspect of my personal trading. And so, what does volume tell me in an auction? Well, the transacted volume itself signifies that there's interest at a certain price level. That interest being shown as volume or lack of interest, which is shown as not having volume. So if pri- price is, be- is the advertiser, as price moves, it either, either it excites you to get into the auction or it goes down, it provides fear to remove yourself from the auction. 
as price moves, it's advertising. And so during that advertisement, if volume is expanding, growing, that shows me interest at that advertised price. Conversely, as it dwindles, as volume dwindles, that lets me see a lack of interest. So application of this uh, from a trading sense, and we're going to dive into that, but it's important to just think about volume as interest in that advertisement of price. And you're going to be able to manage risk correctly and find areas right. more applicable to your entry styles. Um, and so this is going to occur on different time frames. And so viewing volume can be done in several different ways. We're going to talk about how um, there's different tools for visualizing volume. With regard to that, I'm going to put a lot of the emphasis on volume profile, showing volume on the horizontal axis mm -hmm. at the level of price. So viewing volume can have uh, several different aspects. But regarding timeframes, it's important to know that if you spend a lot of time in a particular area and you don't build a lot of volume, then it's not exactly accepting it. Can you expound a little bit more on that? Yeah. So let's say we push up to like all-time highs and we sit there for a few sessions. Mm -hmm. But with regard to the prior session or where we came from, if it's not expanding to the same degree, if it's not building volume on that horizontal axis, then it's spending time there. It's just not finding interest. And therefore, when it moves back to where it priorly was accepted, it's essentially rejecting that zone. Interesting. So not, time is, is not nearly as important as the actual amount of volume that trades in an area. You know, I, I can't, I'm not going to say that it's not important, but, um, but for my, for my style, the amount of volume is, is going to be a kicker here. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That makes sense. I think actually. It, and I'm going to give an example. So if we look, take something like a parabolic blow off. Okay. Mm -hmm. What's, what's a parabolic blow off? That's, that's something like, uh, uh, think about the COVID fall price just dives down, down, and then boom, all of a sudden it stops on a dime and reverses, right? Mm -hmm. It didn't spend a lot of time down there, but it, it sure as heck built a lot of volume. I'm pulling it up on my chart right now so I can take a look. <laughs> and so, so a parabolic blow off, even if you look at volume just directly underneath the candle, you're going to see huge spikes of volume. Mm -hmm. But the time aspect, it didn't spend a lot of time there. So therefore you have uh, a lot of stop activity, a lot of offsides activity. The time aspect of that rejects, gets back into prior acceptance. And that is usually an exhaustive type activity. So when we say time is not as important as volume, uh, time, time plays into this because you can build volume and reject it. And if it happens swiftly, then you have a, a quick change of course. Mm -hmm. So. Uh, brief time up or down if volume takes place but reverses immediately then that new leg in the auction has uh has shown itself and 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 should be then the dominant uh leg of direction uh-huh so that's a liquidity grab for positioning or trapping you can call it where um either you know stops are hit but contrarian orders are there to fill um or feed on the fear euphoria then initiate in the opposite direction. So when you see something like that take place, when you see like a really sharp sell-off and then a sharp reversal, that's 
that's your confirmation that that the move or the sentiment has shifted, but that's not necessarily your entry. Correct. Yep. I like to uh, let the let it show its hand first, mm-hmm. and so and so I'm not one ticking the bottom on that. Right. I'm letting that push out because now we've built structure and below where where price is. Now I can see where there's less interest, and as price moves around and works on building volume above that low. Mm-hmm. I'm going to be trying to initiate a position as close to that low volume zone as possible below me. Because, hmm. because I know that if they escape or push back through the low volume into the prior area of acceptance, then they can just traverse the other side. So this allows me to have a very tight risk, um, in, especially utilized in intraday. So basically, if that low gets taken out, then you don't want to be long anymore anyway. So yeah, and so allowing it to show its hand and um, and having that structure be- uh, beneath you is 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 key. Now that's that's more of a, a swift rejection. Mm-hmm. Now another way to look at this would be if price is pushing down and volume is just simply tapering or, or dropping off. Okay, and it's thinning and thinning and thinning, and then all of a sudden you have a pushback, a reversion type pushback. Mm-hmm. That is um, on a taper. That is something that um, I'm more likely to step into quicker. Okay. Because rather than building a distribution there and, and then building a distribution above it, it's, it's, it's rejecting a lack of interest and that profile completion or the price is going to start to gravitate towards the bulk of that interest and that and the in the higher volume may be much higher above so the the big volume nodes then those are are kind of like price magnets yeah they're like magnets and so i've described this in a few different podcasts but um thinking about this on a, like a, a a science background um if you have a nucleus of an atom Okay. Ooh, you're talking my language now. Of an atom, okay, and you have elec- you have electrons that rotate around it. We've all seen a picture of a nucleus and how electrons circle around it. Mm-hmm. Now that circle or the distance it is from that nucleus is called a valence. Okay, that's mm-hmm. just a term for for the zone that it's in. Now, if that electron goes further away or gets out of that circling pattern, it will then be attracted to another nucleus. Mm-hmm. Okay, that other nucleus being the next high volume zone. All right, mm-hmm. and that valence being the low volume area. Interesting. All right, so that's just the way that I visualize that, and the auction process to me is that circling pattern, building interest around around a zone, and then escaping it, escaping that valence, going to the next one. The market is trying to create a giant Gaussian distribution. Is that? Is that why the low volume nodes seem to be uh, a big interest uh, to two traders? Because I always wondered why it seems like those low volume areas sometimes end up being the spots that hold. I don't know two traders, but um, but that's that's a very uh, low volume areas are, are areas that I like to engage. Why is that? What's the psychology behind that, or the the thought process? Uh, it's it's getting to the edge of a, um, a distribution. So mm-hmm. if you think about a distribution, like a bell curve, all right, and that bell curve, the belly of at the top of it is your high volume node or the area of most volume there, mm-hmm. which could be a POC or point of control. You're going to have, you're going to have a distribution of activity around that high volume area, right? 
Right. And there's going to be less on the edges. Now, as, as the auction rotates around that distribution, if it escapes a tail, that tail being the low volume area, then it can create another bell curve. Mm-hmm. And that's showing, that's showing acceptance there. So yeah, those, those areas, those edges where there's least, the least amount of interest is where I'm looking for absorption to bring back. Um, or if it breaks out, I'm looking to, to catch a rebid or reoffer from that location, that low volume area for continuation. Okay. Okay. So it's sort of like, um, it's like going to your, your valence shell analogy, like the further away it gets from that, like there comes a tipping point where you can see where the next attractant is going to be at. Correct. So you, you know that you have limited, or you can minimize your risk because you know that if it continues too much further down this way, that it's going the other way. Correct. So I like to, I like to manage risk against the opposite high volume edge. Okay. Mm-hmm. So think about this. You have a low volume area and it looks like a dip in that volume profile. And let's say I want to get long as it's coming down to that low volume area. Mm-hmm. Within reason, as long as it's within my risk parameters, I will place my stop on the edge of where that volume starts to increase just beyond the LVN. Aha. Interesting. Okay. That makes a lot of sense. And so as it pushes into favor and starts a leg in your direction, then you can watch it build and confirm that move in your direction. Okay. That makes a lot of sense. So there's there's different pieces to this auction process. I mean, we, we talked about time, price, and volume. Price being the advertisement. And you can see this utilizing candlesticks, your DOM. I mean, it's it's on everything you're gonna be looking at. You're gonna see the price. Mm-hmm. Time, a lot of a lot of individuals use TPO um, or time-based candlesticks in volume. Volume uh, can be the volume profile, the horizontal volume. It can be directly under the candles. It could be a VWAP, delta, total volume. We're going to talk about those pieces of the puzzle. But there's three pieces to the auction. It's the time, price, and volume. And that relationship presented uh, helps apply the style of of the auction that you're currently viewing in front of you. Mm -hmm. So I'm just looking through your notes here. That's right. You want to talk about volume types? Um, I we kind of blew past the time frames, and I kind of want to go back to that before we get too far. Oh yeah, let's go back. To time frame. I think we stepped mm-hmm. into the parabolic blow off a little yeah, bit. Yeah, that was super interesting. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I didn't want to stop you. <laughs> right, right. So, yeah, so time frames. Uh, time frames are important in that. Um, you know, when you're intraday trading, if you're trading off a 10 second candle, you're not going to see what's happening on the entire week, or you're not going to be seeing what's happening on the session, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so there's a few timeframes that, that specifically uh, continue to be important. The auction can change its, its face um, or its character um, in, a, in a reasonably short period of time. And so for that be, with that being said, looking at a volume profile from four years ago uh, is not going to feed me for any of my trading as much as it will looking at a volume profile of last week. Mm-hmm. Okay. So understanding um, a lot of my planning comes from the week in week out basis. And so if I zoom out, I want to have an idea of where I'm at with respect of last week's. Right. Okay. For, to help with my planning. Zooming in then, I want to know what happened in, in the overnight session. Mm-hmm. So I have that visualized on my chart. 
And that is something that will act as a guide for when RTH or the regular trading hours open and begins to build a new profile against it. Hmm. So if you're jumping on a trampoline and you want to do a backflip, you don't just start rotating indefinitely. You got to know where your feet are going to land, right? <laughs> and, so, and so knowing initially before that session starts, where are we with respect to last week? Okay, here's where we are. Now I'm going to set that aside. Now I'm going to focus on where are we with respect to the prior session. Mm-hmm. And that's going to help uh, me be on the right side of um, be on the right side of the leg as it's as it's occurring and be out quick enough if that sentiment or that that um, interest changes which side do you think has which side do you give more weight to overnight or rth um as i'm trading um a lot of my a lot of my rth um planning comes from um overnight and prior rth so mm-hmm. those those two give me information and then during the trade process, I'm physically watching the the volume building as the profile builds, mm-hmm. and that helps me. That that's one piece of the puzzle. It lets me make a decision on whether or not risk is being put on. And do you do you zoom out and look at like? Um, do you look at it with the idea of uh, okay, the people who are long term traders are going to be interested at these points. Uh, the the swing traders are going to be more interested at these points. Day traders should be interested at these points. Do you map out the different time frames, areas of interest as well? Certainly, but um, uh, in my opinion, it's it's uh, it's not as easy as as splitting them up into day traders, swing traders, and long term positioning. Mm-hmm. But you can successfully trade an intraday range from the prior sessions, low volume areas, and um, lack or presence of build, and that can give you an idea of of direction on the day. Okay. And that whole that whole piece could be inside just the bulk or the middle of the previous week, right? Right. Whereas if we're pushing down to a large low volume area from the previous week, then obviously that's going to give more weight than just trading kind of in the middle where that's occurring. Exactly. Yeah. Because the the more time frames that get interested in an area, it seems like the level should be given more consideration in your plan. Yeah. And in, in, in a in a sense, you could even visualize a profile like that as as a fractal. Ah, right. Yep. All right. Um, let's see. The three puzzle pieces we started talking about the different ways. I think you're going to start talking about the different ways we can visualize volume. Yeah. So we talked about time, price, and volume. So we're going to put the emphasis on volume here. Mm-hmm. And one of the primary ways that I utilize this is called volume by price or the volume profile. And what that's doing is displaying volume on the horizontal axis at the price. So if we're trading, for instance, at 12,000 on the NQ, um, and, and there's a, there's, um, a thousand contracts that come in, instead of placing it below the candle, like a little vertical, um, histogram, it'll be placing it at that price. Mm-hmm. And so if price goes up and volume goes with it and it keeps building as it goes up in price, then that's growing the volume. That's what I call a volume build. Mm-hmm. If as these rotations in price occur through the day, you're going to see this volume growth and oscillation and movement. For instance, a trend day, price opens up. It might be narrow for a little bit, build a l- bunch of volume. And then it goes really quickly, stepwise up, build a bunch of volume, 
Now, between that build and the one before, you got a low volume area. Right. Okay. And on a trend type scenario, what can keep you safe is that this will just keep stepwise happening. And it doesn't change until it starts escaping the lower uh, lower volume nodes. Oh, uh, light bulb just clicked there. Yeah. So in, in reversion trading, um, I don't care if it's at the ninth standard deviation from your volume weighted at, uh, VWAP or, or from your moving average. If you're building a distribution there and it's still respecting the low volume areas below you, then she ain't done. Right. Oh, wow. Okay. Wow. Yeah. That, that feels really powerful. <laughs> <laughs> so that's, that's a really key component to it. Um, I talk about that as much as possible because, um, you know, for the most part, it's going to keep you, it's, it's at least going to keep you safe. Yeah. How many times I can, I can, I can't even count how many times that I've looked at a move that's continued. Like it seems like it's overextended. It's continually going up and you just keep thinking to yourself, this can't keep going up, can't keep going up. And then you try to fade it and then you get burned. <laughs> I'll throw a short on here. Yeah. 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 But meanwhile, if I was paying attention to some of these other areas of interest and how price is respecting those boundaries. If, mm-hmm. if I was aware of that, I would not even be attempting to fade at that point. Well, think about it this way too. Let's say you're somebody who, and I don't condone um, averaging over a wide range. Okay? Right. Let's say that somebody is trying to do that mm-hmm. and they enter and it steps up, builds volume and has an LVN below it. Now it not only has to get through that to get back to your position, but if you go ahead and average and your average is now on that LVN, now support is at your entry. Right. You know what I mean? And so it, it's, it's, it's going to, it's going to show you why that doesn't work. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, and so I, I like to be a little bit more uh, specific with entry placement and it, it either goes my favor or, or it's off. Yeah. Another way to view volume and probably the most common way that traders use is volume um, per candle. Yep. And so you have a time-based candle, like a five-minute candle, and then underneath of it, you see a histogram of the volume moving up and down. And so that um, is not something that I, that I personally utilize. Is there any particular reason why? Uh, it doesn't give me as much information for my style of trading. Okay. So the one thing that I will utilize that for is like on a daily chart um i'll glance at that like recently um like these large pushes down Mm -hmm. we talked about a parabolic blow off it accelerates 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 you get a volume spike and then it just v-shapes out of there so it's an exhaustive type move and you can you can probably narrow that down on smaller time frames i just don't Mm -hmm. yeah the next one is volume per second so volume per second is the amount of volume coming in to the market um, each second and it's and it's calculated based upon um, you know that time speed that that speed of time so it's like a pace of tape almost okay oh okay so if you're looking at a time in sales and you see all those colors flashing in front of your face you'll see sometimes it moves quicker and sometimes it moves slower mm-hmm. volume per second can show you if interest is growing and accelerating, if it's decreasing, if you have a breakout in volume per second increases and price is going with it, then that's confer- that's helping confirm. I have never even considered that 
type of candle. I don't think I've even heard of that. Is it called something different, or is so it? So it's it's not a candle, but um, this is something that you can uh, get information from from your footprint uh-huh. chart and um, the calculated values that occur with that. And you can also see this visually with your time and sales, uh, which takes a little bit more experience and um, and understanding that as that pace of tape picks up, you can visually see it flashing in front of your eyes, um, seeing who's at play and what side they're on. Mm-hmm. But in a more simplistic sense, if you were to pull the calculated values like from your footprint um, that's showing the volume per second, you can even map it in a way that meets your eye personally. Um, you can throw, I don't know, an, uh, a five mo- or uh, you know five unit EMA or something on it and just see it oscillating, right? Mm-hmm. And that's another way to visualize that. Now that's that's zooming way in. But on your on entry, that's that's going to be a very clean way to kind of see is that speed picking, is that interest picking up, and is it picking up in the direction of your of your position? Right. Is that uh, is that utilized in the uh, the OFL tool, the reconstructed tape? The reconstructed tape. So uh, the reconstructed tape is is showing the trades and the orders coming in. So it'll be printing faster. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so you'll see it. You'll see it as um, as that occurs with the reconstructed tape. Okay. Yep. And then the other one on here, uh, volume per trade. Yeah. I see that a lot of your guys' studies reference that, but I was just curious what the reasoning behind that is. Like, what's the benefit? Yeah, so so volume per trade, like a trade candle. If I want a, um, a candle that's the size of a 1,000 trades, mm-hmm. well, I can have two candles next to each other that are both a 1,000 trades, but one has... 17,000 volume and the other one has 200 volume. Oh, trade, not volume. Okay. All right. Or, or it's going to have a thousand volume. At least it's going to have at least a thousand volume. So, so as, as that volume picks up per trade, well, there's position, there's heavier positioning occurring. Mm-hmm. And so if it takes a thousand lots at minimum, if, if you got a thousand traders trading on one lot, you can create a candle. But if you have, 999 traders trading one lot and then one person trading 700 lots, it's going to have more volume than the previous candle. Uh-huh. And so the tra- volume per trade lets me see, are we, are we working with a bunch of one lotters or are we working with a little bit more meat behind these trades? It's bigger, deeper pockets getting involved in the move. Yeah. Yeah. And so um, you can also see that the volume per trade on your time and sales. Mm-hmm. So it might flash, you know, a sell order that came through. And if you if you filter it by trade size, um, you might see it pop through as like, you know, uh, 150 lot come through where you were just seeing flashes of twos and threes. Mm-hmm. Okay. And so that's, that's going to be important. That's going to be isolated as one trade in that candle. But you can start to see when participants are becoming active in that. And then back to the volume per candle. I think that was the one I was confusing when I so was yeah asking about volume per trade. Um, yeah, yeah. Vo- volume per candle is just you know, if you have a, a generic candle um, and you're displaying the volume underneath that candle. Oh, based upon a based upon a time setting. Isn't there isn't there one where you can set like uh, this number of you can do volume yeah candles. like this mm-hmm. I want the candle to close whenever a thousand contracts have traded yeah so so why would I do trade size trade number over volume size mm-hmm. um, is because if uh, 
if that candle is getting ready to print a new one, and let's say it's on a thousand volume candle, and um, it's sitting right around like 850, and somebody comes in and slams 700 lots, now it's now it's spread through candles. Okay, so you miss some of the d- information, or it, it yeah, it, it splits it up. It splits it up. Yep. Okay, that makes sense. All right. What about? Uh, let's see. You also got ask volume and bid volume on here. Oh yeah, the ask volume is simply the um, the the if if you if a buyer comes in and buys at market, mm-hmm. okay, um, then what they have to do is reach up above market price, and um, and that comes in as ask volume. So it's reaching up to grab the ask. Okay, so it's trades that are occurring at the ask. So basically looking at market people trades. marketing in. Yeah. Yep. So market trades. And so and then making the bid volume, people reaching down and and hitting the bid. Why is that important? So if they're pushing through, if they're um if they're not a limit order setting on there, uh you can you can actually sweep the book and um and what that means is uh, if you're looking at a, t- uh, a DOM or depth of market mm-hmm. on the buy side, you're going to have at each tick level, you're going to see a certain amount of lots. Okay. Right. And if those uh, next eight ticks resting liquidity is only, you know, 200 lots, but somebody comes in and, and at market sells a thousand. Right. Then it's, it's going to wipe right through those down further. Right. Mm-hmm. And that's, a, that's a sweep. They're sweeping that entire piece of the book. And so um, mapping out the ask and bid volume and that, and that with that respect to your time in sales is, is, um, is a very clean way to see a transition there. Now, along with that, um, along with that, there's different ways to take this ask and bid volume because the ask minus the bid volume is going to be delta. Mm-hmm. Uh, delta meaning the, yeah, well, it's the ask minus the bid, but um, essentially what is, uh, what is the dominant um, market participant here? Right. Are the sellers or the, the buyers being more active? Right. And so if you're pushing, if price is pushing down, 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 and starting to slow down, slow down, and down there, all you have is sell delta, mm-hmm. but it's not really making progress, then boom, it can flush them. It can push up and stop them out and accelerate away. Uh-huh. And that in itself is, uh, is something that I referred to as offsides delta. And that's a trade style, trade setup that, um, that I utilize. Uh, I think we're going to probably have to do a much deeper dive into delta yeah. <laughs> at some point. <laughs> also, you're going to want to, you're going to want to, um, make sure that the delta, the delta master himself is on. Oh, who's the uh, who's the Delta Master? Flurry, Flurry, uh, Flurry. What? Yeah, he's he's the Delta Wizard. He's been holding back on us. Oh, uh, right. <laughs> I thought he was just a market profile wizard. Oh man. <laughs> yeah. So so that's that's uh that's something you probably definitely want to dive into. Yeah, we'll uh, we'll make sure we definitely get that on the schedule. Uh, uh, in the meantime, though, let's uh, let's let's move on. You, you got VWAP on here is something that you wanted to talk about. Yeah. So yeah, so VWAP. VWAP is the volume weighted average price. It's calculated simply by the sum of the price times volume divided by the sum of the volume. Mm-hmm. VWAP is a very common tool used in intraday trading, and it shows up or displays similarly to a moving average, but it's taken in consideration the volume and they're pr- therefore presenting um, the presence of fair value as it relates to all of that transacted volume. 
Mm -hmm. So with VWAPs, I put a lot of weight on the full session, the 24-hour, and then the RTH only. So it starts at the start of the um, uh, RTH. And then a third way that I utilize this is with anchored VWAPs. Uh, RTH, just in case anybody doesn't know the acronym, regular trading hours. Mm -hmm. the, okay. the cash open. Yep. Yep. And so um, anchored VWAPs are positioned. You can manually start them wherever you'd like. And I like to use those at swing highs and swing lows to help me uh, help guide me from a from a leg, a shift in the auction direction. How do you define a swing high or swing low? So where you have a specific extension or rotation away from a higher low. Mm -hmm. And so if we're gr slow grinding up and building rotations and distributions, then all of a sudden we have a sharp move against that, that takes out a couple distributions, pushes through some LVNs. Then now you could start an anchored VWAP from, from where that began. And that's going to show you the fair value of the volume that started, boom, right there. Oh, okay. Yep. Interesting. And so we actually have a video that discusses these three. It's only five minutes long. Um, it's on our YouTube channel. I recommend checking it out. Um, but I dive into charts and, and go through that. And it's it's uh, and it provides provides information a little more information on that. Awesome. Make sure we link that too. Um, there's also resting liquidity, which is untraded volume. So whether or not you put importance on that, there's a lot of different uh, schools of thought. But if we have a larger order um, sitting on the books, it can tend to act as a magnet. Mm -hmm. And if it fills, then that's more important than if it lifts off. So if it's if it's pulling price in a direction and it and it removes, then price can accelerate. Um, if it fills and price cannot continue to go against it, then you can have initiation or other players coming in to push price. Mm -hmm. In the direction of that fill, yeah. So that in itself is more of a dom nuance, but but it's something to be to consider. Uh, and it's not volume that's transacted; it's just resting liquidity. But it's something to take into consideration when you're when you're watching the stuff occur on an intraday basis. So, what's the difference between uh, something that should be pulling? Because sometimes you hear people talk about the dom, uh, you see like a big order there and you think that's a magnet, price is going to be pulled towards that. But sometimes you see the book just looks super thick on one side and that makes you think that uh, people just, it's going to be really hard for the sellers to push through this. Well, I mean, resting liquidity, um, uh, if they're, especially if they're refreshing and reloading. Mm, okay. As, as, that's, as those orders are filling, if they're, um, filling more limit orders, and then you see that number be replaced or refreshed. Um, there's more of a intention there. Uh, are you talking about like an iceberg order, or just where you, the numbers that you can see resting on the dom, where like you know they trade a hundred there, pops up back above, and the guy throws another hundred lot back on the same price. Let's say they're put just the whatever's resting on the dom. Let's say it's transacting. Let's say they're selling into a hundred lot order, right? Mm -hmm. And you see. 12 lots get taken up. It goes down to 88. It goes down to 75. It goes down to 60. And then all of a sudden, boom, now it's now it turns back into a hundred. Mm, okay. So they're re refreshing that order. Mm -hmm. So there's going to be a little bit more um, intent behind that type of sequence from that order that's filling. Right. 
and so they'd be roping and and so essentially in that in that sense if they're filling that cell order okay and that cell order just continues to refresh and refresh and refresh you're building a ton of that uh bid volume that cell delta right right and then if that builds enough of that there and then pushes against it pushes up now you can start triggering stops and that push out can accelerate and as price moves away and FOMO starts to kick in, then buyers can follow. I, I noticed with the like with the liquidity zone study that OFL uses, there's an activation for it. So is it when you're watching this like take place, like price comes into an area where there's you know uh, somebody refreshing their bid, like how far does that need to pull away before you start to think that okay, those guys are trapped? That's a setting that you can actually manually change um, depending on what. Uh, can, what type of candle you're looking at with your footprint. And so um, we typically have what, a 40 point move away is going to activate it. If, you know, anywhere in the range of 30, 40 points is, is going to be, is going to be good and ideal. You don't want it. You don't want to just move it away five, uh, four or five points and then coming back in specifically with NQ right. on, on ES, it's going to be different. Depends on the market that you're in. And, um, and so if, if they, if they build that out and then boom, they reverse it. Then it's typically uh, very responsive upon the return, and so I utilize a point and figure type candle on that. And um, and not to dive into the point and figure and reversal types that create the candle, but um, it's just a non-time based candle that I'll I'll gather that delta information in to create a liquidity zone. Now, do you, when you see something like that happen, like how are you how are you making use of that information? Are you waiting for price to pull away, come back and retest it, or are you trying to just a lot of a lot of times I'm on the first move because watching that delta come in in cluster that creates that zone um, is 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 pretty easily to, pretty easy to risk against mm-hmm. um, as long as it's not continuing and accelerating if price is pausing and pausing and building that in then um then I'm I'm somebody who put risk on um, and stop just below right. And, uh, and then as that pop and pushes out of there, um, follow, follow the move up, engage it with a volume build. But upon return, what you expect is, um, you know, I guess the thought process is, is, um, you know, trap positioning there, um, either needs to get out, maybe they're underwater or more importantly, somebody was interested there. Mm -hmm. And so upon that return, why are they still there? Right. Right. And a lot of times they are. Is that where the, uh, the, the, how far you want to see them pull away comes into play? Cause I remember hearing Flary talk about one, uh, one of his live streams about the reward that traders got for engaging at a particular area. Like if somebody. Yeah, that, that, that actually, um, that does change per market that you're, you're trading. Mm-hmm. But obviously if there's a lot of transaction occurring and they're not going anywhere, it's not going into their favor at all. Then that's going to create, um, essentially, if you think about like population dynamics, it's going to create fear and anxiety in, in a couple of those participants, right? Mm. And if they exit, let's say they exit as at the lows there, and they they turn into a buyer because if they sold the low, they have to buy to get out of the position, right? And so if a handful of them turn into a buyer to get out, and then a handful of them more get a little bit spooked, it can set off a chain of events that accelerates away. 
uh, sometimes the market seems so fragile where it only takes a few participants to really shift <laughs> a sentiment. <laughs> yeah, it's a, that's just a very generic way of, you know, kind of getting an idea of what's happening there. It makes sense. And I think it is helpful sometimes to put yourself in the, the shoes of the person you're trading against. Like if you want to be long, like what are the shorts thinking right now? If you were a short, would you be scared? Would you be excited? Yeah. Right, right. And and it comes with comes with experience, comes with watching it. Mm-hmm. You know? So uh, back to the, the VWAPs then. You said you put more most of your weight. So the ones you mostly pay attention to are the, the Globex and RTH and the anchored VWAPs. Are there any yep. other? Uh, the week. Ah, okay. Um, and that's it. Okay. That's it. All right. Well, we got a whole bunch of terminology that maybe we should go through with uh, reading the actual volume profile. So I've got this thrown up on my chart and there's like shaded in areas. There's areas marked out as uh, the POC, the, the highs and lows. Yes. Like what's the, why are those important? Why are the people paying attention to these areas? What are they? So where you have the high volume peaks on the profile, that's called a high volume node. Where the, where the volume is less, or you have little valleys, that's called a low volume node, all right? Mm-hmm. The largest one is going to be called the point of control. It's just simply the place where the most volume has transacted. Mm-hmm. Now, a profile is going to be based upon a certain time frame. Like if you're looking at the, the day, the 24 hours, right? Mm-hmm. You're going to have volume built throughout that day, and it's going to create a profile. Think of it like a distribution curve again. Right. Where where 70% of that volume has occurred can be shaded and stamped as this is the value area. That's where 70% of the volume has transacted. And so that value area is going to have what? Edges, right? It's going to have a high part of that value area. It's the value area high. And then you have the low part. Those -hmm. those value areas, those references. Are, are important because there's a lot of interest within those bounds, right? Mm-hmm. Also, the expansion and contraction of them. If it's a really tight zone, okay, and value is just compressing, 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 you can you can assume that an expansive type auction is going to occur at some point. Mm, okay. Or if values spread out really wide on a wide thin profile, then you can assume that we're going to get some contraction. Why would uh, contracting days lead to a bigger move? Is that just because the stops that are building up uh, each time it does contract, as people trade those edges that continuously shrink? If if contraction incurs indefinitely, then price will just wind up being the same forever. Right. Right. So the <laughs> the auction um, is going to then um, invite participants in to 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 find new areas of value. Mm-hmm. Okay, and so based upon whatever whatever changes occur, um, you know, in the world or in the environment of that particular um, uh, security, um, that price exploration, it's it's going to build that acceptance to a certain degree until other time frame participants come in and, and press it out away. Mm-hmm. And so upon an expansion from a heavy contraction. You don't, you don't want to fight it. Right. You know, that actually comes into like uh, intraday application. Okay. So if you were to take, um, for example, if you were to take and separate like the overnight in the RTH, mm-hmm. okay, as, as two profiles, and then you zoom out and you see a couple days worth and you got maybe like six or eight profiles up. Okay. Right. 
if they're kind of overlap, you see four or five of them kind of overlapping in a little zone, draw a box around it. Whatever the highest high was as far as the value goes and the lowest low of the value. Okay. In that little consolidation. Now you have more of a conglomerate or an aggregate of value that has been formed in your previous six, eight sessions, right? Mm -hmm. Therefore, you know that if the low end of that base is even 200 points away on NQ, but today, okay, we open, we auction straight down 180 points. It looks scary. You know that at the bottom end, you're technically still in an area of value. Mm, okay. And so, so you may get participants coming in at the lower piece of that and then taking it back to the other side. Mm-hmm. Okay. But also, if you box that in and then the next day gaps up, now you have an upper end of value that you know, well, if it gets back into that zone, it's rejecting above. Right. So that's just a way to apply that upon an intraday sense. Okay. Okay. Utilizing that as key zones for interaction and placing trade against. Um, so that's just the basic terminology of value area, high, low, point of control, the high volume nodes, low volume nodes. Um, to see this is, is different than listening to it. Right. And, and what we can also provide a link on the YouTube, we got it. We have a, a, a go through of volume profiling. All right. Uh, the part, the two parter that you did. Um, yeah, I believe that's, that's up there, right? Uh, yeah, I think we shared that, uh, for people before this came out too. So yeah. hopefully they've already, they've already watched that. <laughs> okay, great. That's going to provide just a base of, of kind of, so you can see what, as we're speaking to it now, some nuances with a volume profile. And I mentioned before tapers and builds and what leg we're on. Um, a taper is when volume dwindles. And so it creates a little thin tail. Mm-hmm. And so. As price moves down and decreases in volume, if price moves back up, then that tail is showing a rejection. Mm, okay. All right. That tape, that taper showing rejection. Also, if you're in a position, let's say you're long and price is going up, 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 but it's tapering, it's probably a good time to have tight risk. Okay. All right. Conversely, a build if you're in a position and price is pushing up and it's starting to taper a little bit and then boom, it starts to build a node. Mm-hmm. Now, now, now you're finding you're now you're at least um, seeing interest in the direction that you're moving. Right. That's so weird. Cause uh, I don't know how long, like when I started doing looking into this for some reason, like the idea that volume is showing up at these areas, like price jumps up, volume builds. I always thought of that as sellers are interested here. That means that they're getting ready to push it back, but that's completely opposite of what is actually happening. I mean, it certainly could just be sellers, right? Um, but the, the reality is, unless it gets back into the previous distribution or gets under that LVN, it's not moving against, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. And so so um, one, one of the phenomenons you'll see on like, even like on a trend day, um, you'll have negative delta on the way up. Right. Right. Sellers are, there's no way I'm going to sell, you know, I'm selling here. I'm selling here. And then it's just fueling that push. Right. Cause they keep turning into buyers and then mm-hmm. as price moves against them, then they're having to exit and cover. Yeah. Yep. So on a leg to leg basis. Okay. Mm-hmm. Visualizing these builds and tapers is important. 
on a leg-to-leg basis, what I mean is, let's say you enter position near a low, and it goes in your favor, and you're managing the trade. Mm-hmm. I'll manually draw a volume profile starting at that low, drag it out so that it builds from that start point. I've got a fresh profile. It's not mixed with the other volume. And I'm going to watch these little nodes build, 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 provide other little LVNs along the way that I can manage my risk and stops against. Ah. And by rule of thumb, once it starts moving, um, I, I definitely want to be taking portion of the position off at 2R and then trailing. I'll manually move my stop to LVNs behind position. Okay. So that gives you some room for it to, to pull back a little bit deeper. To move, like on a runner. Yep. So you're using these volume nodes almost as like the map. Yep. Man, it's fantastic. So, uh, it's exciting. really awesome. Yeah. <laughs> so, you have, so you gave us some examples then. Do you want to clarify our homework assignments for uh, this episode then? <laughs> Absolutely. Need to really just look at them, watch them, mm-hmm. um, uh, and then hit them against the prior session. Right. Okay. So, okay. so, so you map out our map prior day VP and compare to current day. Yeah. Where's the primary low volume areas from the previous day? By primary, I mean the deepest. Sorry, say that again. Where's the primary low volume nodes from the previous day uh, yeah. or previous yeah. session even? Primary being the deepest low volume node. If it pushes through uh, a, a, pr- a prominent low volume area, then it has the propensity to auction to the other side and circle around that volume. That's task number one. Yeah. Task number two, group up the, uh, the zones of value to get an idea of, well, is value consolidating and then stepping up and consolidating, stepping up? That's time framing. That means that the auction is just moving and accepting. Even though there's rotation, mm-hmm. there's there's rotations for both sides of trade within that, you can see that the big picture is a direction or the other. This entire leg down that we had recently, value was not building above day in and day out. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden you get to shift. Okay. And then it starts to go stepwise up. Right. All right. So group zones of value to see how value is consolidating in the big picture. Yep. Uh, anything else? And then, um, and then, on obviously, as a as a position um, or as the profile builds, if volume is building, she ain't done. <laughs> Got it. Has to has to get back under the low volume node and find interest there. You'll see when they. I mean, you'll be able to see it when they get up there, and then it's dwindling. It's smaller. Nodes, smaller nodes, smaller nodes, and then all of a sudden it starts to come back and reclaim those LVNs. Then you get a shift. All right. So I have as profile builds, observes how volume builds and price reacts. Yeah. All right. Anything else for the uh, the homework assignment? That's all. That's that's all. I think we went through a lot of information. I appreciate you guys having me on here. Well, I think uh, if we got some time left, we uh, maybe can do some some Q and A here. Sure. Right. Listener questions. Question one. Try to find okay. Paul D wanted to know how much uh, value would you suggest giving to the VPs of different time frames? For example, like a 60 day versus the Globex versus the daily. Uh, when does the VP from the RTH come into play in your plan, if at all? And how far back do you volume profile? I typically volume profile back um, a week to two weeks. Now, 
Um, I would say when it comes to your question about 60 minute or, or this or that, just keep it, this, keep it the same. Mm. Keep your variables the same because um, I, I know, you know, like Bobby Yaga and there's, there's a few people that I traded with for some time um, and they will, they'll put on like a, just a 30 minute profile or their 15 minute profile because it'll just keep updating and updating. And then they have their full session with it. Mm-hmm. Okay. And so that's another way to kind of see that auction, you know, inside the auction. Okay. But, um, but if you have a 60 minute profile, that's not, it's not wrong. It's just don't, I, I don't recommend having a 60 minute, a five minute, a 30 minute, you know, and, and just all these different time frames. I, I would say have a, have a base, have your session always printing, at least to be aware of what's happening right now. You can come inside that and have, you know, your, your 10 minute or your hour or things, things like that nature. Mm-hmm. Um, and that'll, that'll help with it. But mostly it's consistency that you're saying, like getting familiar with the charts that you're looking at all the time. Correct. That makes a lot of sense. Uh, Joel uh, wants to know, is a rolling five or 20 day profile as useful as drawing a profile on like a specific balance area or group of days? Yeah, that's a so this is a cool concept that's up for debate. Um, so one of my ways that I plan, um, especially at the end of the week, is that I'll look at, I'll just zoom out on a thirty-minute chart, right, mm-hmm. or an hour. It really, time the time bar doesn't matter. Where's the high and the low? <laughs> okay, <laughs> and so if the high comes first, then I'm going to go back further. I'm going to go. Okay, I'm going to start at the low. I'm going to draw it all the way out. And then I'm going to draw it from the high. Now I got two. I got one drawn from the swing low, one drawn from the swing high. And I can easily see where um, where those prominent LVNs are. So you said a rolling five day, a rolling 20 day. Mm-hmm. Absolutely fine. You're still going to get the information to see where that lack of interest is. Okay. It's going to provide different levels than the individual who's mapping um, specifics of of each session or the mm-hmm. specifics of each day, right? But it's going to give you the standout information like a prominent low volume area and um, and that value shifting up and so forth. So um, it's not that those levels are wrong if they don't match up with people that you're seeing on Twitter or so forth. It's just specific to the time frame you're viewing. Um, and so I am on board with a rolling five day, anything like that. Um, I think it's good to group them. How an idea. One of the things that I think we were discussing not too long ago was like the, the reason why some things work is because everybody uses them. Like, is there benefit to trying to be as conformative as you can to watching what is the bulk of all traders are looking at, or is it better to see, to just be familiar with something that you like and that works for you? Man, I'm just a weirdo. <laughs> we all are. Yeah. So, uh, it, the the systems that I have in place, like the the routine, I guess you say, what I'm looking at, the way I'm I'm doing it, has has been developed from um, a lot of times just diving in on this, mm-hmm. and so um, it allows me to have a consistent, non biased means of of seeing what's happening, and so I don't leave it, I don't leave much up for interpretation. Right. Okay. 
And, and so if it, if it comes down to, well, I have a point of control here, a value area low here in this LVN, but you know, of these three, we're going to get an interaction, but I'm thinking that this one's going to be the best one. Mm-hmm. Like I'm, I'm not in that party. Right. Okay. You know, um, I, I know what I want to see on a, on a bigger time frame, and it doesn't uh, ultimately doesn't change all week as the week goes, then I'm engaging between each session, um, to, to adapt to that around those larger zones. Mm-hmm. Awesome. 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 Um, okay. Last question that I have so far here, uh, is from VL. He would like to know what the best way to use an LVN in single print on the daily chart. The best way to utilize it? Yeah. Draw a horizontal line. When price gets near it, is it accelerating or pausing? Mm-hmm. If it's pausing and in that session it's tapering and you're above it, mm-hmm. prepare, prepare for a move to protect that LVN. Mm. Because, because what you'll see is on that higher time frame, that's an area that needs to be, that's, a, that's an area of inflection. Okay. And, and if it moves through it, it's going to be very swift and it's going to build volume. It's not just going to sit there and, and just dwindle, 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 dwindle. Um, and so, especially on a return, you're looking for protection. You're looking to trade against it. Okay. All right. Uh, Dan, do you have any questions? Um, no, this has been a really amazing deep dive in, into all of the volume uh, right. indicators and- that are out there. I love it. All right. Looks like we're good. Let's go ahead and uh, let's wrap this up. Oh, fantastic. Thank you so much for joining us, Job. This has been really amazing. Hey, thanks for having me. I have some um, examples from my notes here, speaking points that I want to provide images for. Um, yeah. And it, I might not be able to get to that, finish that today, but um, um, we yeah, can also be released at a later time. You know. Well, whenever you get those together, let's just dump them in the Back to the Futures channel. Um, and I can pull them from there. Oh, wow. Okay. So we unfortunately got to wrap up. We can't talk forever. We don't have infinite time. Yeah. Well, the guys at RFO Labs have real jobs. I know. <laughs> ah, they're so professional. And uh, we are so very, very, very blessed to have you guys joining us. Thank you again, Job. Hey, and thanks, thank guys. everybody listening for sticking around to the end. Uh, I hope you've had as great a time learning about volume as I have. And I hope you're eager to get back, uh, get the back to trading futures yourself uh, to try and apply some back of these to lessons. The future. Ah, need to back, to back to the back futures. Back to the future, Marty. <laughs> <laughs> We've got to get back to Marty. <laughs> Stop trying to fuck your mom and get back to the future. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> um, anyway, on that note, uh, we'll see you next time, folks. Happy trades. We'll see you guys. Bye. Two Bulls in a China Shop is an entertainment program, and all thoughts and opinions expressed in the show belong to the hosts and not of any company. They are not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual or on any specific security or investment product. It is only intended to provide entertainment about stocks in the financial industry of trading. If you make trades based on what you hear in this show, you assume all risks for those trades.